Look left. Look right. Yes, you're in a place. Ever wondered what goes into making great places? Join Jeff and Matt as they speak to placemakers across the globe and have a chat about what goes into creating the workplaces, communities, hotels, restaurants, civic spaces, even cities that we all use on the daily. Okay, welcome to the Places for People podcast. I'd like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their leaders past, present and future. Hi, I'm Jeff. And I'm Matthew. And we're going to speak to strategists, creatives and place and property professionals to find out what goes into planning, creating and running some of the coolest places on the planet. Today we have with us Emil Rademeyer. Emil is Executive Director of Creative Strategy at Vandal here in Sydney. Vandal is so far on the cutting edge that I had to download a new version of Chrome just to see their website. Vandal crafts innovative image, art, sound, sculpture, digital placemaking experiences for media of all kinds. Their work includes beautifully crafted executions for entertainment platforms, advertising, interactive installations, post-production, animation, visual effects, projection mapping, virtual reality, augmented reality, digital placemaking, as well as niche art, design, and experiential done, projects. Jeff? That is amazing. <laughs> that sounds it is amazing. way too There's fancy. There's still more, I think. <laughs> There's more. There's more. You need to get this because you need to understand the quality of this person that we've got in front of us. Emil is a frequent international keynote speaker, contributor, and jury member at creative events around the globe, including the Cannes Festival of Creativity, Snapchat Snapfest, Spikes Asia, Shots, Adfest, and Promax Australia, New Zealand, India, and Africa. He oversees curation of the Vandu Art Gallery here in Sydney, recently named one of the best art galleries in Sydney. For the City of Sydney, has been nominated as Digital Placemaking Expert Partner. Emil's work includes creative and strategic executions for entertainment platforms, commercial and retail precincts, interactive environments, augmented reality, niche art, design and experiential products. He's widely regarded as one of Australia's most prolific creative new media trailblazers and keynote speakers. I'm very excited to welcome Emil Rademeyer. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks so much, Matt. A pleasure to be here. Don't know who this guy is, but <laughs> he sounds pretty fancy yeah, to me. I'm super happy to meet him, that's for sure. I know. No, thanks very, so much. very impressive. Thanks so, um, Emil, each uh, episode we start by asking guests to paint a picture of their favourite places, either near or far. What place holds a personal spot in your heart? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm from South Africa originally and I moved to Australia about 20 years ago and as a kid, uh, we would go to a national park in South Africa called the Kruger National Park. It's the biggest national park in South Africa. It's about 20,000 square kilometers. So if you put it in context, it's about the size of Israel or it's about a third of Ireland. So it's quite, wow. it's, it's very <laughs> large. I guess it is just, it's raw, it's nature. It's kind of one of those places where you realize you're actually quite small in the big scheme of things and that there's a world outside technology and computers and work and all of that. So if I go there, it just, I guess it makes me feel humble. It makes me feel small. It makes me feel connected to the earth because you kind of see this ecosystem that happens in nature that is devoid of human interaction. And it just 
works. And I love that. That's my favorite place, Kruger National Park in South Africa. Yeah, beautiful. Is it? Um, it sounds dangerous to me, <laughs> just from an outsider's perspective. But I'm like, are you wandering around in between like lions and tigers yeah, and stuff? Or ab- ab- absolutely. So it's it's a national park. So there's lions, there's elephants, there's hyenas, there's wild dogs, there's you know all sorts. The big five, yeah, if you yeah. can call it that. How it works is there's camps scattered throughout the national park that you can stay in overnight in. And then you can drive in your own car through all the roads and see if you can spot the animals. There's guided tours. And yes, you can go walk with a tour guide as well, which we did. And we had to run from the elephants. But um, I'm here to, um, I've survived the elephant ordeal. I'm here to tell my story. So yes, it is dangerous, but um, yeah, just got to stay in your car. Yeah. Otherwise, when, when you talk better. campsites, are we talking gated campsites? I think of Australian campsites and it's pretty pretty open to the wild. Just talk us through that. I guess you get the whole variety of that. You get gated camps, you get glamping in tents, or you just get raw in nature in your tent with not really anything around it. But that's the magic of it. Yeah. I, I feel that's how you immerse yourself in nature. And that's, that's what you want when you go there. To me, it's not about having this luxury experience experience to me it is just going raw and into nature i think i'd stick with the glamping personally yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i do like the glamping though yeah, yeah absolutely oh, um gosh. can you tell us a bit about your history your past and how you came to be sitting in front of us and soon to be educating us about the future of work internet the life um, lifestyle and how that comes together yeah no that's a great question how did i get here i guess i'm passionate about digital technology, but I'm passionate about how digital technology affects our lives. And over the, I guess, 20, 30 years that I've been in the working environment, I've seen how digital technology is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and more integral to our lives. And I think for me, it can very easily be destructive digital technology. For me, my real passion is to use digital technology to be able to foster human connections, foster relationships. And how do we use digital technology to connect to each other rather than isolating each other in front of our computer screens? I started working in advertising back in South Africa. My uncle was in advertising, so he introduced me to the world of advertising. And from there, I went into television Back in the day, the internet was really crappy. And I thought, well, television is the way to go. Internet speeds were slow, dial-up modems, all of that. So I went into television, moved to Australia, got into advertising. Yeah, from there, I've just been really passionate about following technology and see what that does to us as people and how can I contribute to making it a positive experience rather than a negative experience. Were you a creative kid or were you more of a sciencey nerdy kind oh, of I was a nerd. Because oh. it feels like there's, you know, there's like digital technology speaks to me like more of a maths and science nerdy kid, but also advertising is obviously very creative. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say I was a creative kid. I was a teacher's pet. Yeah. <laughs> I was a goody two shoes that would wait at the car park for the teacher to come and grab the suitcase to carry it to the class. So I guess I really always wanted to please people, but I never saw myself as artistic or creative. 
I was really good at athletics. When I turned around 15, 16, I thought, well, I have to rebel against something. So I rebelled against sport and said, I'm not going to do sport anymore. This is at school. I'm going to sit in the art class. The teacher in the art class were, oh, well, if you don't want to do sport, just come and sit here. So I sat and, you know, there's nothing to do. So I guess I'll pick up a pencil and I'll start drawing. And I guess that's the first time I realized, ah. Oh, I've got an artistic bone in my body. Not saying that being artistic is creative, but from there, I guess the world of art got sparked inside my heart and I started investigating art movements. I then took art at school. I then studied digital graphic design afterwards. So it was that humble act of rebelling against sport that made me end in art class and then follow my newfound passion, which was art and creativity. So we've all heard about the metaverse. Well, most of us have heard about the metaverse, but given most of us haven't actually experienced what it is and what it means, can you explain in your words to us idiots, if there's a better word for putting it, what <laughs> the metaverse is? Yeah, great question. And I hear that all the time. I've done a lot of research. I've been lucky to talk about the metaverse all over the world. And in a nutshell, no one knows what it is. No one knows what the metaverse is. And Amazing. I don't feel left out. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know why you've got me here talking about it. The metaverse is emerging. So it's not a place and it's not set. Think of it like the internet. It's an environment. But to describe the metaverse, it is really three things that's coming together. It's the physical world, it's the digital world, and it's the virtual world. And by bringing those three things together in a decentralized manner, blockchain technology, we are creating this new immersive or interactive world where we are spending our time in. And this immersive world is now getting the name of a metaverse. Now, meta just means beyond. So if you think of us in the physical universe, the metaverse is beyond the physical universe. It is what's next. And with the rise of digital technology, we are spending more and more time online. In fact, I'll challenge you and say you spend more time online than you spend offline. You are really only <laughs> offline yeah. if you sleep, in my opinion, because you have your mobile phone with you all the time, which means you're online. You're in front of your computer, which means you're online. You're watching Netflix or social media, Facebook, Instagram, you're online. So you're more online than you're offline. Hence, this new digital world is becoming bigger than the normal physical world. And that's really the metaverse beyond the universe, the next verse, digital, physical, and augmented or virtual worlds coming together. Yeah, it seems funny because I actually, in one breath, I feel scared by hearing you say that, like we're online more than we're offline. But also when you go into the detail of it, yes, I've got my phone with me. Yes, I'm working on my laptop. Yes, I watch Netflix. That's just my day-to-day -day life. That doesn't actually seem that scary. Yeah. So I'm a bit like, yeah. okay, yeah, I can deal with that rather yeah. than, oh my God, I'm going to be sucked into the internet yeah. and you know, live my life with 3D glasses on or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> In some of the talks that I do, not that I like quoting statistics, but there's a great statistic that say this year or people spent a billion years online this year alone. So us as humanity will spend a billion worth of years online this year alone. And how do we do it? In three second increments. We've got three seconds for something to capture our attention or we just flick on, we move on. And our attention span has become so small that 
this new world needs placemaking. And I guess that is where I'm so passionate about digital placemaking in the metaverse, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more yeah, yeah, later. Yeah, I love it. We hate talking about it anymore because it's, it's past, right? But we've just gone through two and a half, two years of COVID and all the, I suppose, government halts and stops and everything that's come with that. Do you believe that COVID's accelerated the rate of the metaverse and everything that comes with that? Absolutely. I think the whole shift in the way that we work was definitely accelerated with COVID. A lot of people worked from home and they could work from home, which meant one thing and one thing only, we spend more time online <laughs> rather than less time online. It's interesting because, you know, things like Teams and Zoom and all of that, it's always existed. But since COVID, it's really become integral to our daily operation, which again means we are spending our time online. So how are we spending it? Is it worthwhile, the time that we spend, or is it not worthwhile? How does it look in these places that we spend online? Is it good for me? Is it bad for me? Does it inspire me? Does it make me feel creative or less creative? So COVID was really one of those events in history, I feel, that's really laid the foundation for the next step in the digital world, which you can arguably say is the metaverse. If you think back to the 90s, the internet started and that was a real paradigm shift for us. And I think this new, the year 2020, let's just say, was that next step as the foundation of the metaverse. And trust me, it's only the foundation. We haven't even got started yet. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's- it makes me yeah. wonder whether Zuckerberg has got anything yeah. to do with COVID, you know? Guiding like, us all. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's guiding us down that path, right? right? That's interesting. <laughs> you know, the, the guy is onto something. He He's- obviously built an empire. You can love him or hate him. Everyone's got their different opinions, but he's built an empire. And he feels so strong about the metaverse that he's changed his empire's name to represent that, to meta. For the listeners that don't know, Facebook changed their official business name from Facebook to meta. He is spending billions of dollars a quarter on his metaverse projects and he's losing a billion dollars a quarter on his metaverse projects. But he believes that that is the future. And he believes that if he stays stagnant and do nothing, the world will run past him and he will lose his empire. Oh, so, so mate, someone needs to look into him. Like the, COVID Zuckerberg. I'm just, <laughs> just for now. Uh, conspiracy theory, <laughs> Jeff. <yeah. laughs> well, that's if you think they went to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> look, the flag wasn't waving, but let's get back on topic. So he spoke briefly around blockchain. Um, we've also heard the terms NFTs. These are terms that have been thrown out there over the last few years. How do you feel they'll play a role in the future with the metaverse? And do you feel we're going to use them as a basis and, and continue up? Or do you feel that's going to be sort of the standard? Two words that, that is really important to define, and that's blockchain technology, and that is NFTs. And there's a lot of confusion in the market what it means. So I think it's a great opportunity just to explain to the listeners what is blockchain technology, and then separate to that, what is an NFT? And I won't do any tech talk mumbo jumbo <laughs> jargon Please I'll, I'll keep, yeah, it really keep it simple yeah so blockchain technology just means it is a decentralized network think of it as a network of computers all around the world but it's not owned or managed by a central authority 
blockchain is not Bitcoin and Bitcoin is not blockchain. Blockchain is the network of computers that works like a peer-to-peer -peer system that validates transactions. Great example would be if you use your credit card, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and you make a purchase, the moment you make that purchase, somebody needs to tell the shop that you've got that money in the bank account. So that signal or question goes to a centralized authority, MasterCard, Visa, Amex, and they go, yep, guy's got credit on his card, the transaction can happen. So that's centralized technology. Decentralized technology or blockchain technology means there's no central authority no one owns it because everyone owns it. So if you use a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, there's no central head office somewhere that validates that transaction. It's the network of computers that validate that transaction. It is an open digital ledger. So you can go back to the year, not sure when Bitcoin started, 2009, and look at every single transaction. And it is immutable, which means you can't change it. It's free for all and it's immutable. So that's blockchain technology. And that's really the, the framework that this new decentralized world, cryptocurrency, metaverse, NFTs, et cetera, operate on. Second to that is let's chat NFTs. And you're right, a lot of people has heard this word NFT, this NFT, that NFT art, but what is an NFT? It stands for non-fungible token. And then people go, what? Fungi, mushrooms, <laughs> oh, mushrooms, it's all good. But let me explain what a yeah. non-fungible token is. It means it can't be swapped for something else. Something that's fungible is like our money. I give you a $10 note and you give me another $10 note back. It's fungible. Or I give you a $10 note and you give me two $5 notes back. It's fungible. It's the same thing. But non-fungible is a unique one-off item the Mona Lisa, for example. I can't pay in the Mona Lisa and you give me change of half the Mona Lisa back because it just doesn't work that way. It's non-fungible. You can't swap it for something else. It is unique. So NFT is just a unique digital contract that represents a digital asset or a physical asset in the physical world. For example, a digital work of art, a JPEG. Anyone can copy that JPEG. I can send it to you. I can take a screenshot. I can print it on my T-shirt. But no one owns that JPEG because you can just copy it. But uh, NFT now creates a digital contract for that JPEG, which means now the JPEG, that JPEG, no matter how many times you copy it, that JPEG is now owned by somebody. It gives you digital ownership of that. And you go, well, who would? pay for a JPEG. Mm. Recently, digital artist Beeple sold his Instagram feed. If you're not familiar with Beeple, he's a digital artist. Um, he had this project called uh, The First 5,000 Days, uh, which meant every day he put a JPEG, an image on his Instagram feed, and then he sold it off. So then I always ask people, well, how much would you pay for a JPEG? How much would you pay for a JPEG? Oh, I'm just thinking about how much money I could make off a JPEG. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, you probably not that much. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you how much, how much somebody paid for his JPEGs. They paid 69 million wow. US dollars for his JPEGs to own that. Now, I can go to his Instagram feed. I can screenshot it. I can look yeah. at it. I can send it to you, but I don't own it. So Does now, that mean if you, do, if you did do that, then he can... He's got legal rights to sue you in yeah. layman's terms. Yeah, the and owner of that 
uh, NFT, the digital contract, says that person is the owner of these 5,000 images. So yeah. sure, if I now go and take a screenshot and go sell it, yeah. you can say, well, that's is my that, digital good. You Is that recognized in... I don't know, universal law, copyright law, for example? Yeah, well, if you think of a contract, you sign a piece of paper and that is now the contract for your, let's just say, a property that you've bought. An NFT is just a digital contract. So rather than that physical contract sitting in your filing cabinet or in your solicitor's filing cabinet, that digital contract is now sitting on the blockchain, which means anyone can view it, anyone has access to it, and it's immutable it can't be changed it's amazing is it royalties like can you get paid royalties from an nft yeah great question so what does the contract say when you purchase it Um, i always use the example say matt you're an artist and i purchase a work of art from you and i give you a thousand dollars for that and then let's say you become world famous and that artwork is now worth a hundred thousand dollars if i sell it off I make the profit on it. You don't make the profit Mm. on it because you've already sold it to me. But through a digital contract or an NFT, that royalties can be paid back to you, to the original owner. So depending on what the initial NFT, the initial digital contract said, it can be Matt will always get 10% royalties of every sale. So now I can go and sell that Beeple artwork or whatever it is onto somebody else, onto somebody else onto somebody else for all eternity, but those royalties will always come back to you if it was specified in that original contract. It's very cool. Very interesting. I mean, imagine you could do that with property. Imagine you could do that with property. That is the best question. For the listeners that has bought a property before, you ask for the contract and you get this reams of paper that's been faxed all the way to, depending how old the property is, the 1900s of stamps and pounds and sewage diagrams that no one can figure out anymore because it's just been copied so (laughs) many times. So doesn't that show to you a physical contract really is void in terms of the contribution a digital contract can make. So yes, that property, maybe the builder gets royalties all the way back, or or maybe all those information is now on a digital ledger rather than a physical ledger. So yes, absolutely. Uh, Amazing. I mean, this sounds like a bit of a redundant question given all of the information that you've just (laughs) given us, which is fascinating. But why do you think it's important for companies out there today that aren't looking at the metaverse currently, why is it important for them to understand it? Because I think there's a lot of people that are probably hearing the term, not really knowing, but probably thinking, I need to get some more information here. I always think back of when the internet started and I was lucky that I, I guess I grew up in a time where I didn't grow up with the internet and I saw the beginning of the internet and the rise of the internet and where the internet is now for us. So I always say people, think back to when the internet started. I was about 16, 17, and I remember a friend at school said his dad got the internet. I just didn't understand what that, (laughs) what do you mean? Okay, so it's computer and I dial up and I can go and talk to somebody else across the world. Okay, don't understand it. How does it work? You use a browser. Never heard that term before. What is a browser? Well, it's like this window you open up and then it gives you access to the internet. And, you know, it was all these foreign concepts that we didn't understand. Well, why would you want to do 
shopping on the internet. Why would you want to do banking on the internet? That is where the metaverse is now. It is this new world. We don't quite understand it. Companies might ask, well, why do we need a presence in the metaverse? But think back to the 90s, companies asking the same question. Why do we need an email address? Why do we need the internet? Why do we need to do shopping online? That will never work. And I think that's that new shift. That first shift was the internet, the world of computers connecting each other. This is the second shift, which is still a world of computers connecting us, but in a decentralized manner. So I would say, if you're not in it, you're going to be left behind. Imagine you run a business now without internet. You, <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah, imagine yeah. that. You can't. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the way the world is going, it's going faster. It's going digital. Today's news is outdated tomorrow. Your Instagram story is only worth 24 hours. The world is moving at an incredible pace. And I feel that blockchain, I don't feel, I'm confident that blockchain technology and this new world we're creating, let's call it the metaverse, is the future. Talk us through real estate within the metaverse, because there's, there's a lot of discussion right now around owning a part or owning something physical, which is not physical, in the metaverse? We grew up in a physical world and the digital world was introduced to us. So for us, it's quite foreign. Why would you want to buy something digital? And I hear this term a lot that doesn't exist. Now look at the current generation. They grew up or they are growing up in the digital world. For them, it's digital first, physical second. I'm seeing that the new generation are putting more value in digital items than in physical items. If you want to purchase something, I'll buy a digital garment or a digital skin for my Fortnite avatar rather than a physical item. So digital items is definitely getting more and more valuable. And with that comes real estate. Funny enough, Snoop Dogg is big in the metaverse and he is in a metaverse called the Sandbox and he's built his digital party house in Sandbox. And there's people that's now purchasing the properties around Snoop Dogg's for $50,000, $100,000, a million dollars. People are adding value to these digital environments. Think of a normal physical auction here in Sydney, opening bid, oh gosh, let's just say a million dollars, 1.2 million, another person 1.3 million, another person 1.4 million. In the end, the price is what people think the property is worth because that's where it stops. Exactly the same for the digital. If you think that pixels are worth a dollar, it would go for a dollar. If the market think it's worth 50,000, go 50,000. If the market think it's millions, it goes for millions. I mean, it definitely would make moving house a lot easier, which <laughs> makes me happy yeah, having moved a few, a few times. But uh, yeah, I guess you wouldn't want to move next door to Snoop Dogg and then he moves house. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> leave you a bit devoid, wouldn't it? Oh, I'd love to move next to Snoop Dogg. <laughs> With buying real estate in the metaverse, do you get to meet him? Well, he's virtually, avatar, yeah, sure. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Be telling him, you know, put the bins out, Snoop. <laughs> yeah, who does put the bins out? <laughs> Recycle can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think the metaverse will do to the future of work? Because I've seen, you know, some very awkward meetings happen in the metaverse where you've got these kind of avatars bobbing around the boardroom table, which seems a bit rudimentary. What do you think will happen there from a world of working perspective? 
a lot of us are spending arguably our whole day or a big part of our day working, and that is online. So how is that online space that you are spending your time in, how does it look like? Does it make me feel creative or does it make stifle my creativity? I get the comment about the metaverse. It's rudimentary. It's blocky. It looks a little bit crappy. Absolutely. Remember the internet in the 90s? Remember how crap it looked like? We look back at it now and there's this little animated GIF blinking and a page that takes two minutes to load. That's where we are with the metaverse. It's only the start of it. So yes, we are defining this new space. Is the metaverse, I put virtual reality goggles on? No, absolutely not. Metaverse doesn't exist yet. We are still building it. And as we spend our work life in the metaverse, as we spend our personal lives in the metaverse or online, as we spend our entertainment lives on the metaverse, all those spaces needs to be defined. And that is really where placemaking comes in for me. Who is creating those spaces? Are we just letting somebody else create it and we just um, accept it for it is? Or are we helping create those spaces? And I think with blockchain technology, again, no one owns it. So everyone owns it. So what it is, is just really what you make of it. So it's not a sit back and let's see what Mark Zuckerberg does. It is Let's all of us get involved and let's define that workspace in the metaverse or that entertainment space in the metaverse. Let's define it for. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, it's really interesting. So how do we ensure we keep the aspects of humanity that are, I suppose, vital to our society when growing in the digital um, future? We can see it a lot. I mean, you can just walk out the street and you see people with their back hunched over, looking down at their mobile phones, completely locked out of reality and locked into digital reality. Is that good for people? I would say probably not because you are missing out on the real world, the physical world out there while you are consumed in this digital world, aimlessly scrolling through Instagram to see if you find something of interest. Look at teenagers and I guess the, the impact that social media can have on them in their teenager years. Is that good for them? I would say probably not. So again, how do we use this digital technology to foster positive human connection rather than foster negative human connection? And the opportunity is ours because again, in a blockchain world, everyone owns it. Everyone can make a difference. So. It is up to us, Matt. It is really yeah. up to up to us. I don't think this is the time in human history for us to sit back and let somebody else take the reins. I think it is up to each and every person to create that digital space where we connect with people rather than disconnect with people. We've never been more connected in life, yet we have never been more disconnected yeah, in it, life. It does worry me. You know, you see, for example, like a Facebook comment feed and people say things to each other that they would never say in real life Absolutely. or you'd hope they wouldn't. Yeah. And yet in this digital world, they feel like it's okay. And that's what kind of does worry me is that if you've got people taking that attitude but then magnifying it into all aspects of their life, yeah. what do we do to break that and to you know make people as conscientious as they are in the real world yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in that digital world. 
I think it's about ownership. I think you can get away with those Facebook comments by making a bogus profile that no one knows who you are. So you're a big shot behind your computer because there's no responsibility on your end to to take ownership of your comments because you just fire it off and you close your laptop. You throw a bomb and you walk out. With blockchain technology, I guess, and NFTs, it's about ownership. So it comes down to someone or something. And I would say it's it's a time for us to take ownership of the digital technology and then make it for the better, which is exactly the same as placemaking in the physical world. We or companies or councils take ownership of a space and they are redefining that space as a space where people want to spend time and it is there for them to connect with people and it's there to foster a positive human interaction. Exactly the same for the digital space. Let's create digital environments where people want to spend their time in. It is good for them and it fosters good human interaction rather than bad ones. In your opinion, if you had to say there was one thing or one consideration for successful placemaking in the future, what would that be? And I know that's hard because we've just spoken about probably 45 different items, but if there was one thing we could take away on a successful placemaking in the future, what would that be? If I drill down to the core of humanity, it's about love. It's about giving love. I guess true love is given, not received. So if you use that concept of love or giving love, you don't expect something in return. When you create a space, you are sacrificing something, you're giving it to the people, to the community, and you want that to be a place of love. What is love? It's feeling comfortable. It's not being ashamed. It's not expecting something. It is respecting people. It's, it's all of those things. So I think if you can drill it down into one word, it's about a place where love can be free. I know it's really a metaphysical concept <laughs> here, but that's yeah. really what it's about. It's create a space where you feel comfortable in. Uh, you don't need to be something that you're not. You're respecting other people. You don't expect anything in return. Man, that's fascinating. I really, <laughs> really yeah. like that's that. That's deep. <laughs> it no, is, it is. It, it is, is actually. Deep. My whole thought process is very similar to yourself, right? We, we should be giving, we should be including people, we should be um, caring for people and also the, the surroundings we're in. How do we ensure that the, the digital world or the placemaking world that we create and digitally doesn't have items like war, doesn't have items like famine? How do we, because we're talking about we creating this digital place, it's a metaverse, make sure that that metaverse we create stays humble, stays loved? It's about taking ownership of that environment. If you are proud of your own property, you won't just chuck your rubbish in your own backyard because you're proud of it, because you have ownership of that. In the decentralized world, we all have the opportunity to own that decentralized world. So we have the opportunity to create good spaces. But as we people are, we have the opportunity to create bad spaces as well. I think where there is good, there is bad. There can't be good without bad. Can't be bad without good. How do we create that? Well, I guess, first of all, let's set an example. Where do we start? We set an example where we create a decentralized space that frown upon war or hacking 
And all these things does exist in the digital world. Just like you can get a break-in in your physical world, you can get a break-in in your digital world. It's interesting, just speaking about the environment, um, one of the blockchains is called Ethereum. It's the second largest one apart from Bitcoin. And basically how Ethereum worked is to validate these transactions. It's called proof of work. So it's a lot of computers that need to do a, a lot of mathematical transactions to operate and give value to that network. Just about two weeks ago, Ethereum went from proof of work to proof of stake, which means now whoever has Ethereum or Ether can stake it. It's the pool that they create and that gives them ownership which means the electricity consumption of Ethereum has dropped 99.9%. So suddenly, the world is consuming 0.2 less energy just based on this one decision that has been made. And how is that decision made? Not through the CEO of a company. It's through whoever owns Ether. It's us. If you want to have a say, get involved because you can make it happen. There's no boss here, no CEO here. I think that is the hope for the future, right? Yeah. This, this, that, this diverse network of people, and it can be anybody, yeah. are the decision makers, yeah. not just one Absolutely. guy sat at the top in his fat cat tower. And I think us as humans are finding that difficult to understand because we grew up in a world of authority, of a CEO of a company, we had to go through a bank, we had to get a passport, we have to pay our council rates. There's always been this central authority in our lives. But with this new metaverse world, there is no central authority. And people are going, well, who do I ask for permission? Well, no one. How do I pay somebody? Not through a bank, directly. Yeah. So it, it is all peer-to-peer, -peer. it's human-to-human. -human. Yeah. Isn't that the most incredible placemaking? You know what's even stands out more and more as we're chatting? We've just gone through a period where our governments haven't allowed us to go from state to state. For some people, you know, I, I live on the northern beaches in Sydney. I wasn't allowed to leave my suburb at some points during Christmas. Yet the metaverse is going the complete opposite way. Absolutely. Giving freedom to people. Absolutely. Do you see that as well? Absolutely. And you know, with freedom comes responsibility. You've got ultimate freedom to connect with anyone and anything at any time of the day or night. And that is a responsibility on us as humans. No one is gonna tell you what to do. No one's gonna tell you how to spend your money. It's up to you. And with freedom comes responsibility. One thing I'm really interested in, something that we've kind of spoken a little bit about in that there's the physical and digital, yeah. and we're talking about them as if they're separate worlds. And I know that Vandal do a lot of work where they bring together digital and physical yeah, yeah. in that kind of digital placemaking in, in yeah, real life. Absolutely. Can you tell us a bit more about that and how the digital aspects can mm. help invigorate a more physical world or the physical world that we're used to and kind of how the two come together? Yeah, the appropriate term for that um, convergence of the physical and the digital is augmented reality. And we've all heard about AR or augmented reality. The word augmented means changed, so a changed reality. What happens if we're looking at the physical world through this new digital lens that we have? Let's just say our phones. We're looking at the real world through our phones, through our digital world. Well, we see a new world, it's a changed world, and it's an augmented reality world. So at Vandal, we realize that people do 
live two lives. Let's just call it two separate lives for now. The, the, the physical you and the digital you. But what we're doing at Vandal is we're bringing those together. So we're creating augmented experiences or digital placemaking where we use digital technology as tools to foster that connection rather than separate that connection. Yes, we realize people are walking around with their mobile phones hunched over, but how do we use that technology to create a positive experience, an entertaining experience, a sustainable experience to create a new reality, augmented reality, where it is for the greater good or for entertainment or for sustainability, whatever the project is, and harness that, that augmented reality becomes a single world, digital, physical together, that is pleasant to be in, that's entertaining, that's funny, that you can do shopping in, all of that. It's amazing. So we live in the physical world currently. I'm I'm very much a physical person. I'm learning about the digital presence. We think about brands. So when you put on a t-shirt, you think about a brand, a physical brand that you're using. Who do you see that is investing in the digital world Mm -hmm. to give those same experiences to people? So is there, is there brands? Are there brands out oh, there? Yeah. Who's doing it well? Yeah, who's Absolutely. doing it well? And, and, and I mean, what are some of the cool examples? Of yeah, that? great. Um, who's doing it well? I'll answer that first by going, it seems that fashion brands are doing it really well. Gucci is doing it really well. Nike, Nike is doing it really well. Adidas is doing it really well. And why is that? Because they realize that physical People pay a premium for their physical goods. You pay a premium for a Gucci handbag or a Nike t-shirt or Nike shoes. But they're also realizing that people are spending more and more time online. Online, you want to represent yourself in the same way that you represent yourself in the physical world. Take a handbag, for example. If I just want a bag to stuff my things in, I just get a tote bag, you know? Two dollars from cotton on. Just chuck my stuff in there. And it's functionable. I can carry my stuff in it. So why do I buy a Gucci handbag? Well, it makes me feel good. I mean, it's it's a beautiful work of art. I can carry it with me. I like it. It makes me feel good. Maybe other people recognize that I have it. Makes me feel good. Exactly the same. Me, the digital avatar in the online world, wants to represent myself well to the other digital avatars there. And how do I do it? Digital Nike shoes, digital Adidas, digital Gucci handbags. They all exist. You can go buy them now. I own them as an NFT. I can sell them on as an NFT. What does that mean? It means that these brands are recognizing you are spending more time online and they are literally just transferring their experience in creating physical goods to creating digital goods and for people to purchase that. Are they just transferring what they do offline, online, or are they doing weird and wonderful stuff? Because obviously the metaverse is a lot freer. You know, if you want a handbag made of live snakes, then I guess you can have that, right? Well, (laughs) a great comment. Um, You can do anything in the metaverse. So yes, you can have live digital snakes in there. And it's a great space that we're in because you have on the one world, the space where you can do anything. But just because you can do anything doesn't mean you should do anything. <laughs> and sure, there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's really unique works of art that people purchase as NFTs. There's a board eight yacht club. There's crypto kittens. There's all these strange things that people add value in. But in the same world, there's the 
Gucci Horsebit 1959 traditional handbag that you can now purchase a digital copy of. So I think it is, it's still finding its place. Is the metaverse just a, a digital copy of the physical world? No. Well, I hope not because no. I can't wait to have my avatar at six foot six. Yeah. <laughs> and just see what the air's like up there because coming from a five foot eight person, it's, it's, it's really yeah. humbling. And you know, it's interesting games like Fortnite, people might know of Fortnite or for the younger audience, Roblox, their user base are growing and growing and growing so much more that Fortnite is not just a game anymore, but it is where Marvel can launch experiences or where musical acts can create concerts because the audience isn't limited to the Sydney cricket ground. The audience can be anywhere across the world. And again, there you are as an avatar at the concert. Do you want to buy the t-shirt at the concert? Sure, I'll buy the t-shirt because it makes me feel good. There's your digital transaction right there. It's insane. It really is like so, so interesting. The insanity is the three of us that's sitting here, we didn't grow up with the internet. The new generation grew up with the internet. There's no non-digital life for them. The first thing kids do is they grab an iPhone and they know how to unlock it or they press the button or they look at it. They just, they grow up in this digital world. So for them, this is not foreign. It's yeah. foreign for us because we didn't grow up digitally, yeah. but for them, they grow up digitally. So it's natural for them. This has been amazing. Honestly, Emil, I think I've, I've learned more in this session than I've learned ever around and digital. I don't know nothing. <laughs> I've only scratched the surface. Like really, there's just so much here to explore. And I guess that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I talk to people about yeah. it because I realize I don't know nothing, but I just know where it's going and I want to educate people yeah. on that. Super cool. We um so we always finish with three quick fire questions. Gosh. The Unfortunate thing is, Matt's gone one. off script yeah. and already <laughs> used up the first quick fire question. So I'm going to skip straight to the second one, which is what's the coolest thing you've ever seen in placemaking, uh, be it physical or digital? Yeah, I, I guess I'm a sucker for that physical and digital convergence. Um, I love immersive experiences. For some reason, I love lasers. So I love it when there's immersive musical acts that use lasers. It's really hard for me to define it to one experience, but I think it is when art, music, and digital technology come together in a physical space. That just wows me. It's music in sync with digital art in a physical space where you can smell the people around you. Yeah, um, yeah that's really all the that, senses. Mm, yeah, it's all the senses that comes yeah. together. That that really makes me excited. Yeah, and I mean the the last question to stick with the last one. We've sp we've spoken about it significantly, but if you could leave us with, um, I suppose the one thing that us, everybody, can do to be more involved with creating places yeah. for people? I think it comes down to ownership. Take ownership. Don't just sit back and expect somebody else to do it. Take ownership. In the physical world, take ownership of your environment. Pick a piece of paper up. Recycle your things. Drive a little bit further to purchase sustainable goods. I think it's all about taking ownership. And in the same way, take ownership of the digital world. Don't sit back and let other people tell you how it's done. With this new metaverse blockchain technology, you have the opportunity to take ownership. Take ownership and let's make a better world for ourselves, but maybe first for other people, both in the physical world 
and the digital world. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. Emil Rademeyer from Thanks, Vandal. Jake. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Matt. It's Thank a pleasure to chat to you guys. It's been amazing. Thank Bye. you. The Places for People podcast is made for you by Creo and NPM. We believe if your people matter, your place does too. Check out how we can help with your place design and building needs at placesforpeople.com.au. Whether it's a brand new workplace for your team, a bar, restaurant, a retail renovation, or a million things in between, we've got you covered.